Well, listen, you talked about who you wanted next. You <laughs> talked about the guys above you in this sport. I just want to say and throw my name in the hat. If none of them guys are lining up to, to fight to you. you, brother, <laughs> I'm putting it down here right now. You know that there's some tough dudes in here, and I feel like eventually, whether it's now or whether it's later, me and you are going to put on a show for these fans someday. And I say that, honest to God, in the most respect possible, yeah. because I enjoy watching you fight, brother. Yeah, and yeah. congratulations Thank on the you, dominant man. Thank win. Thank you, Hey, it's uh, one at a time. You got, you got a couple guys in front of you. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Baker's Dozen episode of Your Boy Elroy, episode 13, Andre, if you didn't know. I am Josh Prep Egina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, how you doing, man? Doing all right, man. What's up? <laughs> Let's get into the news, Andre, because some funny stuff happened <laughs> in the past week. First thing, Pauli Malinaji slaps Artem Lobov in a face-off. <laughs> Andre, in a million years, would you ever think that Pauli Malinaji will be slapping an MMA fighter? No, but um, apparently their paths finally crossed. <laughs> yeah, and it, it caused, you know, light fireworks. I, I wouldn't say it was on the level of, like, DC Cormier when they, you know, got into their little scuffle. I wouldn't say even as recent as George Masvidal and Leon Edwards, but it was funny. I was like, damn. And everything that Paulie said was great. Uh, I feel bad for Artem. Artem's a good talker, but Paulie's just on another level. Yeah, I think that Paulie always carries a certain amount of confidence because he definitely believes in himself. You know, a lot of people forget his accomplishments. I mean, he was one of the greatest welterweight boxers you know around during his time but uh you know he just doesn't get much recognition because he's not a knockout artist but things will be different when he doesn't have gloves on power the power will be different his speed will be different the way he throws punches will be different so i mean it, it's gonna be interesting but um i think this is kind of something that is refreshing that combat sports needs um it's fights like this where two guys just openly hate each other and want to go at it, and I think there's no better platform than Bare Knuckle FC. Yeah, Bear, um, we haven't talked about my views on Bare Knuckle FC yet on this podcast, even mm. though we've brought it up multiple times, talked about their promotion. I've seen some stuff. You know, I watched, they had like a documentary, I believe on Vice, that I watched. And I like the concept of it. But I don't like them to make it, like, too showy. Yeah. So they have that, like, toe-the-line thing where I think that's... Like, I like the idea of fighting closer, you know, starting the fight within range. But why do you have to... Like, the referee's like, toe-the-line! Like, it's like, all right, come on. Yeah, I mean... I'm just hoping that they stray away from that because I, I from what I'm seeing... Well, I should say foreseeing is that eventually there are going to be some elite talented fighters that might go into Bare Knuckle FC as, I guess you could say, an alternative. You know, there might be a really high-level striker who maybe hasn't made it that far in kickboxing or Muay Thai and decides that they want to, you know, have a crack at Bare Knuckle FC, and they might do really well. Um, 
you know, I'm just hoping that they do bring in that elite talent because that's what will get them views. That that's what is going to get them a lot of fans, high profile fights. Yeah. So this weekend, it's not Pauli Malignaggi versus Artem Lobov, but it is Artem Lobov versus Jason Knight, a former top ten fighter in the UFC, somebody who is clearly being overlooked. Could we see an upset, or is it an upset if he wins? Because we don't really know what Artem brings. He was a decent fighter in the UFC, but he never reached that level. Yeah, and I think that the UFC really, because of his personality and, you know, the connection he has to Conor, I think they really tried to push him because they did put him against some pretty high-profile fighters in their respective uh, weight class, such as Michael the Menace Johnson, Cub Swanson. Oh, yeah, Swanson. your favorite fighter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and he even fought guys like um, Alex Caceres. And, and when you look at his record, you're like, yeah, he had no business being in there with them. But, you know, um, they put him up against them and uh, just to see what he was made of. And he's obviously tough as nails. But um, so is Jason Knight. And Jason Knight has had his ups and downs in his career. But um, he's still a solid opponent, and I think that uh, this is going to be one of those fights that might go a couple of rounds. Somebody just might get knocked out at the end, but yeah. I'm excited nonetheless. Artem saying first round done. We'll see. I honestly couldn't even tell you how I'm going to watch this, but I'm going to see it one way or another. Yeah, I think the only issue that Artem's going to have is probably just his, you know, his reach. Um, but if he can get inside like he did against most fighters and, you know, the ultimate fighter when he was a contestant, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah. How'd you feel about what Paulie was saying during that scuffle? He was complaining about what Artem said about boxing. He said he was offending the families of fighters who have lost their lives. I don't, I never heard any of that. And this is stuff that just... You know, he just said out of nothing. What What did you think about that? Do you think that's something that really happened? Or is Bare Knuckle FC just trying to create some controversy? Yeah, I mean, in this case, I have known and I've watched Artem. And um, he kind of tries to carry the same kind of um, bravado that Connor has. But I've never really heard him say anything, you know, so ridiculous. And, um, like, you know, he's had his sound bites, you know, especially the incident with uh, Connor and uh, I think that R&B star, uh, her name eludes me. But, you know, he's never been that kind of guy to say disrespectful stuff. Um, so I definitely think it's just them trying to fire it up. Maybe somebody said something that he, you know, claiming that he said something. But um, I wouldn't look into it too much. I just think that they're going to leave it all out there in that ring. And um, I'm just excited to see it. But um, hopefully it gets squashed after that. Yeah, so another unexpected piece of news. Josh Barnett signed with Bellator live on Ariel's MMA show this week. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's a good fit? Yeah, I mean, if this is one of those situations where it's uh, kind of his last go at it, um, I think it's a good fit. I think that, uh, no disrespect to Bellator, but the competition might be of the same level. I think that he's just a little too old and a little too, I guess you can say, out of touch with, you know, the, the evolution of MMA. Um, so I, I just believe that he might be able to do a little better, you know, in Bellator. 
But I wish him the best because I know that he's he's still definitely a, a good fighter. Um, I'm just hoping that maybe he'll find success and then retire on a good note. That was good news. We just got on the ESPN app, yeah. <laughs> which we will get into next. Fight announcements for this week. You know, we missed this one last week. Nganu versus Dos Santos. I like this fight. Um, this is definitely both fighters' chances to determine who is the best in the heavyweight division. And, you know, in light of what's going on with Stipe and DC. So this definitely puts one of them in line for another title shot. Yeah, and the fight just makes sense to me. Yeah. And honestly, I can't tell you how it's going to go. Because if Dos Santos can avoid that one punch in that first round, he can win. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you. Junior Dos Santos, despite having some ups and downs in his career, you know, being finished by Alistair, being finished by Stipe, being finished twice, I mean, um, being finished once by Kane, um, you know, there, there's been moments in his career when he's just kind of fallen short, and I think it's just his mind, but he's looked better than ever because I think that the UFC purposely um, fed him to younger, elite talented type of knockout artist type fighters and um he literally rose to the occasion in ways that a lot of people didn't expect i mean especially his performance against tied to ibiza i mean he looked like a revamped junior dos santos and i think that um he's gonna take a page out of stipe's book against Nganu because a lot of people you know probably don't look at it you know the way i do but junior dos santos is a high level black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and he has been for a very long time. He was a black belt even when he started in the UFC. And he's been in the UFC since, you know, the late 2000s. So I think that he's just going to be smart, you know, box with him a bit, and then take him down when he sees the opening and hopefully gets a submission or at least finishes him with ground and pound. I just think that he's so far in his career so intelligent now that he has so much experience. But... You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Nganu has a puncher's chance, but he just is not at that level yet. So, Yeah, you brought up Tai Tuivasa. He has a fight lined up against Blagoy Ivanov, which I, did we just see him fight? Didn't he get knocked out? Well, I don't, I don't know if he fought recently, but he was the one who fought Junior Dos Santos in his UFC debut and lost by decision. Um, so th- this is one of those, another exciting fight. Both guys are trying to prove themselves to still be in the top 10 or even the top five. Yeah. Block. We did see Blagoy fight. He fought Ben Rothwell. He won that fight. Actually, he's eked out a decision, which I didn't think he looked that good in that fight, but let's see what he does. Tai Tuivasa is dangerous. Yeah. Either way, Tai Tuivasa has got a chin. Um, I just think he got overwhelmed by Junior Dos Santos. Um, he's going to be dangerous for anybody. I just think that there's a lot of holes in his game, such as his ground game and his ability to weather the storm. And he's going to have to work on that, you know, as he progresses in his career when he's going against, you know, the top fives. Because, you know, those guys are no joke. You know, when you're looking at guys like um, Nganu, Stipe, when you're looking at guys like even like Derek Lewis, like, you know, he's going to have to bring more than just, you know, a tough attitude and power punching. Yeah, we have another heavyweight fight lined up. 
Aleski Olenek versus Alistair Overeem. That's actually... They pushed that out. That's later this month. Yeah. Sure. You know, that's... Okay. Whatever keeps the card going, man. Yeah. And then, finally, something that we just got confirmation on is happening. Masvidal versus Askren. <laughs> Literally, like, two minutes ago. <laughs> I cannot wait for this fight. Yeah, um... It just... It makes sense. It makes so much sense. And this is what brings me back to the UFC. Sometimes I pull away... And I'm like, nah, one championship is better. <laughs> nah, Bellator's getting up there. But it's fights like these that make me excited. Because you know that this is going to be one of those interesting fights. Does George Masvidal have the ability to weather the storm of Funky Town? And can he win? Or will Ben Askren just impose his will and get a submission victory? Or a ground and pound TKO? I mean, we just don't know yet. But I'm just excited for this fight because I know for a fact, and I think that they, they already confirmed it in the article, that um, this is definitely a number one contender's fight. Yeah, I cannot wait for that fight. The only thing that makes me nervous about this fight is the fandom that I have for Masvidal now, will it deteriorate with the loss? I think that in order to be a diehard Masvidal fan, you have to first understand that he has a lot of losses on his record, but this dude is, has rarely been finished, and he's also never been knocked out. So he does. He is sometimes a bit prone to submissions, where he'll kind of he'll panic and he won't be able to get out, and um, that's kind of the issue that is going to be posed against somebody like Ben Askren who can probably strangle a bear. Mm -hmm. So I'm just excited to see what game plan he uses. I mean, I know it's obvious most people will say, oh, yeah, he's going to stick and move and try to, you know, stuff takedowns. That's not going to work forever. Eventually, they're going to end up on the ground. What will he do? Will he use the cage to his advantage and try to get up? You know, will he try to use a sweep and catch him by surprise? Will he go for submissions, you know, or will he just hold? There's a lot of aspects um, involved in a fight against Ben Askren because you literally have to be very well-rounded and you have to be able to keep that same pace with him. So I'm just excited to see how good George Masvidal is. Yeah, and a win over Ben Askren, bragging rights for life. First loss on his record? Yeah. Fantastic. I cannot wait. This news actually came out last week, but we had such a packed show last week that we skipped over it. Uriah Faber wants to come back to MMA. Yeah. Uh, I think it makes sense. When he retired, I think it was one of those, like, I guess I'll retire. Like, I don't, I never thought that he was actually retired at that time. And this proves it. He says he wants to come back. Is there some fights that you think make sense for him? I mean, right off the back, I could just say that the TJ fight makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that that's one fight that'll definitely sell a lot of tickets. And it's just exciting for fans in general. I mean, that would be exciting for me because this will be something kind of like a student versus pupil. And everybody loves seeing fights like that. So, you know, I would definitely enjoy that fight. And, it, and mostly because, you know, you really get to see... If um, Uriah Faber can be revamped and you know, in his new 
I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll just say, for lack of a better word, restart of yeah. his career. And um, it's just a chance to see how good he is still. I mean, he's only been retired for a couple of months, but, you know, I've always loved Uri Faber and, and, and his fights because this dude is still one of the most exciting guys, you know. Yeah, we spoke about this when we on our first episode where we just spoke about our fandom for MMA and where it started. You know, Uriah Faber, for all I know, was the first MMA fighter I ever saw on TV. Like, Uriah Faber was huge at one point in his career, and he was the draw. Yeah. So, he wants to come back, I'm all for it. I would like to see him versus Dominic Cruz again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, but... um. It's just, there's a lot of fights for him. Um, And I just think that out of everybody that has come back to MMA after retiring, I think that he probably has the best chance at being successful at it. You know, you see guys like BJ Penn, who was, you know, in it and has literally lost every single match. So, it sucks to watch, but I think Uriah is still going to be an exciting and very elite fighter. So, I'm just excited. I'm happy. Yeah, so let's get into the fight recaps from this weekend. We had a Bellatar card on Friday that I don't even know if you watched. Oh, oh the main event. What was the main event? Uh, the main event was Brandon Gertz versus Sadawad. Didn't watch it. <laughs> but the fights, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Daniel Strauss. Coming back after that motorcycle incident and looking amazing. Now that I saw and I was really, really, really happy for him. Happy, inspired, over the moon. I'm just happy that guy's back. Stuff like that, like, I'm an emotional guy. I saw that and I wanted to tear up. I was really happy for him. Yeah, I mean, at one point he was the champ. And he was one of the best, you know, guys around. And um, I think he still has that. I think he now more than ever has that fire lit under him that he wants to be the best still. And I think he's got what it takes because, you know, I watched him in one of the very first tournaments that he was in. And um, he was kicking the crap out of guys. He even kicked the crap out of one of our hometown guys, Will Martinez. And at that time, (laughs) Will Martinez was finishing everybody. Will's gym right down the street. Yeah, I mean, look, this dude was elite, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and um, Daniel Strauss just, you know, he did what he had to do. He out-wrestled him, he out-grappled him, you know, he outstruck him, and at that point, people were terrified of Daniel Strauss because he's a big dude for this weight class. But now, you know, we might even see him start knocking guys out cold. You know, after a while, you see some guys who come back, and um, they're just smarter. And then, you know, they're able to take more risks because they understand, you know, where the danger is and how to get away from it. So I think Daniel Strauss is probably going to end up fighting for the title very soon. Yeah, and it's in Bellator's best interest to have that story of him going right back for the title. Another fight that happened, Andre Koroshkov was on that card. He eked out a decision. Not eked out, I thought... I thought he won pretty convincingly. It was good to see him back in his winning ways. Andre Koroshkov is one of the most underrated fighters in re- in fighting. Yeah, and and le- let's be honest, man. Right now, um, Douglas Lima is the like he is the phenom, and um, 
he is probably one of the best pound for pound that really never made it to the UFC. But that, I believe, was on his own accord. I believe he was thinking more of uh, a lucrative aspect. And um, I know that he's made a good chunk of money off of Bellator and being a, a long-time contender. And um, this guy, he's just that guy that people really have a lot of trouble with. Um, a lot of people were even surprised that Roy McDonald beat him. But Koroshkov, you know, it's like I always say, sometimes there's just guys who have your number. But um, I'm going to be honest, I would really like to see Koroshkov in the UFC and maybe just, you know, to try his hand at a fellow UFC talent. But I saw his fight, just that fight, and I thought it was very good. Um, he definitely dominated that guy. So it, it's exciting to see him back and in uh, full form, like you said. Yeah, and another fighter, you know, a name, not in MMA, but in kickboxing, Joe Schilling won his fight. His uh, MMA record, 4-5, and five, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, man, whatever pays the bills in this case, um, you know, he did his time in Muay Thai and kickboxing. I, I think that he's still developing as uh, an MMA fighter. Um, I just hope that he... Um, fights like he did in this fight he, he fights smarter tries to be a little more well-rounded because at the end of the day he's been knocked out a couple of times and it's been really bad to, it's been really hard to watch you know um he fought a fellow asian fighter and this dude demolished him twice once in kickboxing and once in mma and it's kind of knockouts like that that you get a little worried for a guy's career like does he actually have what it takes but in this fight he showed like look i'm not just a striker anymore I have wrestling. I have a little bit of jujitsu, so I think as long as he's really putting the time in the gym and working hard, and he doesn't end up like a CM Punk, you know, I, I think that he'll probably end up going far. It's just a rocky start, you know, in this case. Yeah, let's get into the meat of the weekend. Let's start with that main event from UFC Philadelphia: Justin Gaethje versus Edson Barboza. Wasn't that fight everything we wanted it to be? I don't even know what to say about that fight, to be honest, because it was it was quite hilarious that I called it. Um, and, and it's funny because a lot of people might be like, you always say you call fights. But I literally watched how Edson was fighting, and I knew that he was going to get hurt at some point because he was literally trying to brawl with Gaethje, and that is just something you don't do. If you look at all of the advantages that Edson Barbosa had going into that fight. The reach, the long legs, the power kicking, you know, the footwork. All of that stuff worked against Gaethje because Gaethje walks you down like Tyson did. Doesn't really, except for the head movement, but, you know, he shells up. He waits for the, op, you know, the right opportunity and then he starts wailing on you, trying to land damaging shots, not just big overhands, but this dude uses elbows, knees, powerful leg kicks. You were looking at two of the best leg kickers in the game and I thought that it was going to be a leg kicking battle. It was. At one, at one point in the fight, yeah. they exchanged for like four kicks. Now, your boy Luke Thomas had an interview with Justin Gaethje and I want to ask you this question. Was that Justin Gaethje's smartest performance to date? Absolutely. I think that he understood after the first few minutes, I mean after the first few seconds, that Edson was definitely worried 
about the pressure, which is why he really started moving around the cage a lot. And that's one of the reasons why he gasses out very easily because I think he overcompensates what's going on in the cage in his head and he gets gassed very quickly. And the thing with a guy like Gaethje is you saw guys like Dustin Poirier, how he weathered the storm. He still took a lot of damage in that fight because Justin is going to be in your face. But what he did was simple. He tried to not take damage that was literally going to ruin the fight for him and he tried to impose his will on the outside with his boxing and kicks and I think Edson needed to do that and I think he was just afraid after taking a couple shots because Gaethje was hitting him hard and you could clearly see that Gaethje says what he's going to do and and he believes in one aspect of fighting which is I'm either going to get knocked out or I'm going to knock you out and I don't think Edson was prepared for that. It was just the same way when he fought Kevin Lee after Khabib. You thought that maybe he would have done better. And it was worse. He got beat up, I think, worse. And and I think he got finished, too. Um, and it was... No, he didn't get finished. But it was hard to watch because you can see, like, Edson has a serious problem in his mind. And Gaethje doesn't. Gaethje always comes to fight. So, I think that he just had the right game plan. And it was the, it was the right... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was the right matchup for him. Yeah, one thing that I really enjoyed watching, and we talk about the uh, the aspects of MMA that people don't really talk about too much. My favorite thing about that fight was the control of range. Yeah. Because you step a little far back from Edson, he's going to destroy your legs. Yeah. But I think Justin Gaethje was close enough where if he ate a kick, it wouldn't be as bad if he was like two inches back. And then he threw some massive leg kicks as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, when you look at a lot of Muay Thai fighters, you know, the way that they set up their kicks is simple. They they like to do what's, you know, what's called freeze framing. And, you know, they'll kind of pitter-patter. And, you know, their style, traditional Muay Thai, their, their arms are a little bit more out. Or the elbows are always jaded like this. And, you know, this is for frame defense. And what they do is they use that to their advantage to keep their opponent's eyes on their hands. And then they land vicious leg kicks from a certain distance where um, the the shin part that's literally like maybe a third up um, from their actual ankle joints. And that's what you want to land on the femur bone. Now Edson is a master at that. And, and the crazy thing is that he's a master at counter leg kicks. Because you see a lot of guys who will step in with shots. And when he knows that he can land one on you, he'll land it. He actually has two TKO victories via leg kick from that same situation. And um, the thing with Gaethje is that his leg kicks are different. Gaethje will set them up but can throw them closer because of how he moves his body. See, what he'll do is that he'll actually take an angle on his body and move back a little bit and allow his leg to swing all the way. And he'll hit you in the same spot, but it comes with more force because he has an actual dominant angle on you. So it's actually a different take of Muay Thai. Um, a lot of guys have done that, kind of like Ernesto Hust and um, Remy Bonyowski, where they'll take a, a cut angle and they'll kick and it'll actually be worse on your legs because they won't just hit you here. They'll hit you on the entire femur bone here and it damages the nerves. Sorry, I'm getting a little nerdy. No, you're good. You're but, good. Um, That's what we're here for. This is part of the aspects of fighting that a lot of people don't see. Um, Edson had more of a traditional style of Muay Thai kickboxing and Gaethje, he kind of just adapted leg kicks to his style of fighting and it worked so well. 
And I'm going to be honest with you, as talented as Edson is, I don't think he was going to be able to last more than two rounds with Gaethje anyways. Um, and I saw that in the very first few seconds. You saw his confidence wean after Justin took that first leg kick that he threw. And he was just like, oh, God, this dude really is a zombie. And that's the that's the one thing you really have to watch out for with Gaethje. Um, and, and this is part of the reason why I'm kind of scared with Paul Felder. I love Paul Felder. I love his style. I love, you know, him as a fighter and as a commentator. But if he wants to beat Gaethje, he's going to have to be really smart in there. And he's going to have to try his best to take as little damage as possible. Right now, I'm going to say it like this. Gaethje is probably the biggest threat to Khabib Nurmagomedov other than Dustin Poirier. Respect to Max Holloway. But Dustin has everything that he needs to beat Khabib. And not only could he beat Khabib, but he could finish him. But Justin's a different kind of animal. And I don't think those those takedowns are going to be um, as effective as Khabib thinks they are. So, that's enough of this. <laughs> I'm sorry I kind of nerded out. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm only bringing this up because it's your boy. And I am... Listen, I didn't watch this card live. I turned it on in the third round of the Josh Emmett-Michael Johnson fight. <laughs> I'm walking from dinner to the hotel. I was in Canada this past weekend. Yeah. And I'm, I turn it on in the rain. I'm watching it walking. I look away for one second. I look back down at my phone, and Michael Johnson's knocked out. Starched. Starched. It was scary. I'm going to be real with you, man. He was Emmett was losing that fight. But the scary thing was as you were watching the fight progress... Josh Emmett was like his confidence was confidence was not shaken at all. He was actually still looking for the same shot and still throwing with power. Like a lot of guys, they'll get tagged on the outside and they'll probably shoot in for a takedown because they're like, okay, I can't. I'll strike this guy. I'm not fast enough. Nope. He kept going for it because he really believed in his mind that he was gonna land it. Like he envisioned it, and it landed perfectly. And I'm gonna say it. It was like I was saying it before when I picked him as our fantasy warfare matchup. This dude's different. He's got serious punching power. And we saw it. Not only did he knock out Ricardo Lamas with a left hook, which is, I'm going to be real with you, kind of rare in MMA because you really don't see a lot of guys using left hooks that effectively that can start you. I mean, you have guys like Ross Pearson and maybe Jimmy Manoa who have a sick left hook, like a lead left hook. But that left hook was bad. And then to see an overhand like that, you have to be scared of a guy like that because he's dangerous. And then on top of that, he has serious wrestling skills. Yeah, it was a beautiful... I mean, coming from Team Alpha Male, you kind of have to have those wrestling skills. Yeah. But that punch was beautiful. Yeah, it was perfect. It was timed correctly. Um, it was thrown at the right angle. I mean, look, man, no matter how fast Michael Johnson is, he wasn't getting in the way out of, getting out of the way of that punch. And that just goes to show, like, if Josh Emmett can do that in the third round... You know, imagine what he's going to do to other elite fighters who, you know, aren't as fast as Michael Johnson, who can't get out of the way of strikes, who aren't as big. I mean, this dude's scary. And I think that it sucks that he was kind of off the radar after fighting Jeremy Stevens, but I actually want to see that rematch. Because I'm going to be honest, I think Josh Emmett can beat Jeremy Stevens. And I think he can knock him out. I think that, of course, you know, in the, in the fight game, sometimes you just get caught. But I think he's got what it takes to be a champ. So let's see what happens. 
Yeah, let's get into one championship. I watched my first one championship card. Lucky enough, I woke up 7 o'clock. I got to see um, Shinya Aoki live. Great fight. Yeah. He looked great. Yeah. I'm telling you, he never really transferred well to a Western audience. But in that environment, he is a star. Yeah, man. And I think it was only... You know, um, beneficial to him that he stayed in Asia, uh, mainly because of the fact that he's a champion again, and it just goes to show how good he is. I think he's had some tough go at it, especially when he fought Ben Askren. Ben Askren, yeah. But hey, man, Ben Askren was much bigger than him, much stronger, and you know, you saw it when Shinya Aoki fought Eddie Alvarez the second time, and you saw like he's just had bad luck with strikers and wrestlers. Um, well, like, you know, the elite of the elite. But um, I think that it was just great that he beat such a tough champion in Edward Foliong because Foliong was the real deal. I mean, I saw him fight a couple of guys, and he broke them down with leg kicks, with jabs. Like, this dude was an elite wushu striker. And um, that's not a huge type of martial art that a lot of people use in MMA, but these guys know how to put it together. So, um uh, hats off to Shinya. That entire card was amazing. Yeah. Now, we spoke about this. Every time we bring up one, I always talk about their marketing. Yeah. Now, you see the problem now with their marketing because they put so much time and effort into Eddie Alvarez and his first fight. Don't get me wrong. I know Eddie's a warrior and he comes to fight, but... People like that, look what happens. He got knocked out. Yeah. And, and the worst thing was that um, it was all mental for him. And I think that the pressure that brought that was brought along by holding that standard of being one of those high-level American fighters, I think that he kind of cracked. Um, he talked about it in his most recent post on Instagram where he was talking about how he's had this kind of trouble before in fights where he just can't pull the trigger. And in other fights, he'll just dominate everybody. I mean, we saw what he did to Rafael Dos Anjos, And that was probably one of the most dangerous guys he had ever fought in his career. And he finished him in the first round. But then you see guy, like when he fought Conor, and Conor got in his head, and he allowed it to happen. And I think that's the same thing that kind of happened. They kept you know, pushing this guy, Timothy, as a serious knockout artist. And it's true. This guy has very dangerous hands. But he was also prone to getting knocked out. But I think that, you know, it was unfortunate to watch because I thought that Eddie looked good, he looked strong, he looked hydrated because he wasn't cutting down to 155, and I think that was one aspect that I thought would help him. But, um, yeah, it just didn't go his way. And, you know, it was unfortunate to see that injury that he suffered because that was, that was a really damaging injury. Like, I'm just happy that he hasn't lost his eye or anything. Because I kind of thought that that's what we were going to hear. So, you know, I just wish him the best. And I know he'll be back stronger than ever. Yeah, how'd you feel about the Demetrius Johnson performance? Because that boy was getting tagged. Like, yeah. Demetrius Johnson, he took some shots. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the fight um, when he fought John Dodson the first time. Like, John Dodson was tagging him for a couple of rounds. But, you know, Demetrius Johnson is very intelligent. He's one of the most well-rounded, if not the well, most well-rounded fighter in the world. And um, he showed that against a really young and tough competitor. Because that kid, 
he was dangerous. I mean, I guess he all these one fighters really rose to the occasion. You know, Timothy, he against Eddie. Damn, he looked like he he was ready to kill Eddie. Every time Eddie threw something, he was timing him correctly. He couldn't hit Eddie at the right moments, but you, it showed that he was ready to knock Eddie Alvarez out. And, you know, this kid was ready to finish Demetrius Johnson. But Demetrius Johnson is, he's Demetrius Johnson. So I know he's going he's gonna to win the title. I know that for a fact. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like you said, these one guys, they all have to have a chip on their shoulder. Oh, yeah, because if you think about it, the best pound-for-pound pound fighter that I think anyone's ever seen, you know, with respect, of course, to Anderson, John Jones, and George St. Pierre, um, that brings a lot of pressure for them in that division because they're like, he's not just going to come in here and dominate us and then win the title. Like, no, we've been here for a while trying to fight to get to that title shot. So I think it adds pressure to Demetrius too because, like, this kid was going for his head. Like, he was going at him, he was running at him, he was throwing powerful punches. And I think Demetrius at one point was like, damn, like, this kid's this kid's serious. Like, he's elite. So, it's only going to get harder, you know, on the way up. So, and their champion right now in that weight class, he's, he's legit. So, I really want to see what he's going to be able to do against him. Yeah, we also saw our boy Unlung Sung defend his title. Afterwards, Brendan Vera comes in and challenges him. For the light heavyweight title, that's going to be a good fight. I'm excited to see that. Amazing fight. I mean, this is going to be a sick fight for striking fans because Prime Vera in his time, yeah, he beat Frank Mir. You know, he he destroyed Frank Mir. He has some really good wins on his record. And um, I'm just excited to see what he can do because I think he's had a very long layoff. I think the, I don't want to say the only victory he had in 1FC, but his only notable one was winning the heavyweight title, and I don't think he's fought since. So um, I think it's perfect timing for both because Ong Long Song is really trying to prove himself as one of the best fighters in the world. I mean, he's a double champ, and he's beat the best of the best. And, you know, when he fought Ken Hasegawa, that was actually the second fight. The first fight, he dominated him and TKO'd him. But, you know, I just want to talk about one thing. Ken Hasegawa was actually in the hospital. Um, taking all those body kicks, he actually broke through ribs, and I think he lost two liters of blood. Damn. And um, he was actually just lucky to be alive. Um, Ong Long Sung actually posted um, uh, on Instagram about that, wishing him well. And, you know, Ken Hoskow is a warrior, but, man, that was tough. And that just goes to show you, like I told you, how dangerous this guy is because he's well-rounded now. You look at his record and you're like, oh, this dude's probably just got up there because there wasn't great competition. But he's fought some of the best in the United States. Talking about Costas, Filipao, Uriah Hall. He's fought some of the best guys. And um, I think now he's in his prime. And he's dominating everybody. So um, I'm really looking forward to this Brandon Vera fight. This would, I think, be his toughest um, test to date. Yeah, besides the one card, because those those guys are all in... Mm -hmm tournaments right now so we know what their fights are is there any specific fights that you want to see coming off this weekend you know Gaethje with that win Josh Emmett with that win I mean right off the bat I'm gonna put it out there I want to see Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson that's an amazing fight I want to see that so bad that's gonna be I'm gonna say it right now that will be fight of the year I know that will be fight of the year the reason why I say that is because neither of them are going to quit. 
And Justin Gaethje's not going for a shot. Tony Ferguson's not going to try to set up a submission unless he gets taken down, which is not going to happen. This is going to be a long and very vicious striking battle. There's gonna, And I'm going to say this too. There's going to be a lot of blood in that cage. Probably the most anybody has ever seen, you know, since BJ Penn versus Joe Daddy Stevenson. So, or Diego Sanchez versus um, BJ Penn. No, Diego Sanchez and Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, or Gunnar Nelson versus Alex Cowboy Oliveira. I mean, there's so many fights, but this is gonna be the bloodiest of them all. Um, I, one fight I do want to see is Rose Namajunas. Versus Michelle Waterson. After Michelle Waterson's incredible dominant victory against Carolina Kowalkowicz. I think that she's definitely earned herself a title shot. And I'm really excited to see that fight. Because I think Michelle Waterson has never looked better. And um, Rose has a tough test against Jessica Andrade. But I think she comes out with the victory. And I think they eventually clash. So I'm excited to see that. That's exciting. Fights to watch this week. Andre, since we've started this show, this is the first weekend that UFC does not have a card. Yeah. Very interesting. Crazy. Rare week off. I do want to talk about something, but I'm going to save that for the end of the show. Andre, let's decode the arts. Andre, for this week's art, you chose Muay Thai, also known as Thai boxing. Muay Thai is an ancient martial arts that originated in Thailand. We know that, obviously. <laughs> it's a form of full contact kickboxing that utilizes kicks and punches, as well as knee strikes and elbow strikes. Because of the eight points of contact, Two feet, two fists, two knees, two elbows. Muay Thai is often called the science of eight limbs. To this day, Muay Thai is the official national sport of Thailand. The goal in Muay Thai's competition is to defeat the opponent by knockout or in the absence of a knockout decision. Uh, I read some stuff that Muay Thai is used in like militaries out there. Muay Thai is awesome. Andre, what's the biggest difference between Muay Thai and kickboxing? The clinch game. See, in kickboxing, a lot of guys don't understand the concept of the clinch. And that will be the difference in a fight for, let's say, a high-level kickboxer taking a Muay Thai rules fight against a high-level Muay Thai fighter. Chances are the Muay Thai fighter will get close up, take some kicks and punches, get on the inside and begin to work elbows and knees in the clinch, and even sometimes kicks. Um, some guys like Anarsta Hoost was a Muay Thai practitioner, and when he fought in K1, he would use the clinch and sometimes set up powerful low kicks, or you know, referred to as leg kicks as well, um, to actually damage his opponent because they can't defend the leg kick the same way from such a close range. And um, a lot of Muay Thai fighters who are very crafty in the clinch can land devastating strikes. Um, for example, Senchai. Um, this man in the clinch is very dangerous because not only will he set up um, elbows, but he'll set up 
damaging knees that can land at any point anywhere of your body and just destroy you. So that's definitely the difference between a high-level kickboxer and a high-level Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, Thai clinch knees might be some of my favorite strikes in MMA. Now, when it comes to some like really famous Muay Thai practitioners, who you got? So I'll start off with the old school. I'm going to start off right now with the number one pound-for-pound pound Muay Thai fighter today, and that is Senchai. He is literally one of the greatest Muay Thai fighters that has ever walked the face of this earth. He has a very different style compared to most Muay Thai, um, traditional Muay Thai fighters. A lot of them stand very upright with their back straight and their hands are high up. And Senchai kind of fights with this elusive style where his hands are down. And um, he uses things like spinning back kicks. Um, he uses cartwheel kicks. I mean, he, it's just such a variety that he uses. He uses um, what's called the uh, question mark kick. Uh, that's one of his signature moves. I mean, this guy is literally the best at what he does. Um, other guys, legends in the sports, some guys like Yod Sanklai Fairtex, who has carried the Fairtex name um, in Muay Thai for many years. I mean, that is literally the most prestigious name um, in Muay Thai. And um, he's been arguably the best Fairtex that has ever fought. Um, and then we'll go into the newer guys, um, guys right now who are dominating the sport. Oh, I did forget to mention Samart Payakarun. He was literally, before Senchai, the greatest Muay Thai fighter that ever walked the face of this earth, you know, before Senchai took that throne. Um, he was another Muay Thai fighter who was very different in his style. Um, he liked to use a lot of front kicks, and he had really good boxing for a Muay Thai fighter. So he'd set up a lot of his knockouts with punches as well. Um, but we'll get into the new school. Right now, one of the most dominant guys in the world is Sitachai Sitsong Pinong. Right now, he is the current glory lightweight champion um, in kickboxing. And he holds an incredible record in Muay Thai. And, and I'll pull it up for you now. Right now, his record currently stands at 139 and 17. 32 knockouts. Damn. He's only lost 17 times. And here's the scary thing about him. He's only 27. He's been fighting since 2002. That's 17 years. He's been fighting since he was 10. And he's been at a high level ever since. He holds so many championships and so many victories against some of the best kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters that this world has to offer. And I'll name some. Guys like Marat Gregorian, Josh Johnsey, Yi Long, Jabbar Askarov. Um, even guys like Robin Van Roosmalen, who is a kickboxing pioneer, one of the best. I mean, this kid has done it all. And not only has he done it on the Muay Thai stage, but he's also done it on the kickboxing stage as well. Other notable fighters, guys like Giorgio Petrosian, Buakau. Buakau is another legend. But there's so many fighters. But I do want to talk about one legend in particular. One that is not from Thailand. An actual Dutch man who ruled Muay Thai at one point in the early, well mid mid to late 80s and early 90s all the way down to the early 2000s. And his name is the Diamond Ramon Deckers. This man is a legend in Muay Thai. He was a Dutch kickboxer that did something that no one did. He challenged the Thais in their hometown, their home country 
and fought in Lumpini Stadium and won multiple championships, beating the best Muay Thai fighters that they had to offer. And at one point, Ramon Deckers was seen as a Thailand hero and was even given a prestigious award from the Queen of Thailand for the actual work that he had did in Thailand and being the legend that he is. Unfortunately, he passed away um, in 2013. Um, I believe it was from a heart attack, but uh, this man was definitely a pioneer of Muay Thai and changed the face of Muay Thai and kickboxing forever. Yeah, if you had to pick some MMA fighters that some like their main game is Muay Thai, you know, obviously one of the most famous and maybe one of the greatest fighters of all time, Anderson Silva. Is there anybody else that you can name? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have guys like Edson Barbosa. You also have guys like Jose Aldo, Henan Barrao, um, you know, some of the better fighters. Um, one guy a lot of people won't, wouldn't expect it, but uh, Israel Adesanya. Um, Israel Adesanya kind of gets played off as a kickboxer, but his main style is Muay Thai. And um, you could see it in the way he throws his kicks. You know, he, has a, he doesn't have a traditional Muay Thai style, but that's his actual basis for fighting. Um, even successful guys like Dwayne Land, Dwayne Bang Ludwig, um, guys like T.J. Dillashaw. It's a very unconventional style of Muay Thai. Yeah, but guys who have their own style of Muay Thai. Like we talked about last week with, you know, the different styles of jiu-jitsu. You know, Bang Muay Thai is, you know, its own yeah. brand of Muay Thai. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of people say, oh, no, that's, that's kickboxing. No, because um, you have to first understand that kickboxing in itself is its own sport but Muay Thai has influenced kickboxing for many generations and um, that was just a form of fighting that transferred over to places like France because they have savate you know and in places like you know in, uh, in other countries they have kickboxing they have Dutch kickboxing and that is centered around Muay Thai because guys like that like Ramon Deckers and Jerome LeBanners all these these amazing kickboxers they started off in Muay Thai, and the Dutch kickboxing style came from, you know, guys who wanted to be more boxing heavy, who had powerful punches, and didn't want to jeopardize that, but still wanted to be well-rounded with kicks. That That's how Dutch kickboxing formed itself. But um, there are so many fighters that use Muay Thai, but those the guys that I listed were definitely some of the biggest names that have really done well and have even dominated in the sport of MMA. Um... And, and that's one of the best things about Muay Thai, like we were talking about. It's one of the most versatile styles of fighting because you use not just Muay Thai in the stand-up, but you can also use it in the clinch. There's a lot of fighters that were so good in the clinch. Um, and and, and um, it just goes to show that this is not just a striking game because you'd be surprised to see a lot of Muay Thai practitioners going against, like, you know, Greco-Roman style wrestlers who primarily use the clinch and they can actually hold their own against them and land strikes and defend takedowns because they understand angles in the clinch, certain grips. I mean, you see guys like Senchai and Bulkao who will toss somebody and pick them up and body slam them. And you would think like Muay Thai is not like they don't have wrestling, but that is a form of wrestling. And that's why Muay Thai is one of the most dangerous sports. Um, and it's crazy because cause a lot of people don't give credit to guys like that because some Muay Thai fighters who have come into MMA and haven't really rounded out their games, they come up with that upright stance against a wrestler and they just get dominated. 
but you know a really smart Muay Thai fighter will know how to go up against uh, a wrestler. Yeah. Now, last week we did jujitsu. This week we did Muay Thai. What do you want to do next week? Um, man. You got things like stuff that I don't know too much about, like pancreation, sambo, you know, fun stuff like that. We still haven't talked about wrestling. Yeah. I want to I wanna take one step, though, and I want to say um, this specific style has actually been really successful in MMA. Um, and there's a lot of fighters that have, are masters in this area. And well, in this martial art, and I'm for this. Well, for next week, I'm gonna say that Taekwondo should be our focus. Nice, Joe Rogan, favorite form of uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah, I think that when you have Taekwondo fighters, guys like Anthony Pettis, Yair Rodriguez, I mean, these guys, you know, are different, and that's because of those insane kicks. So. Looking, nice. looking forward to next week. So next week we'll get into Taekwondo. But this week we still got one segment left, Andre. Listener questions. The always faithful, always loving Ron Pashery Jr. He hits us up with a question. He says, is Conor McGregor the most overrated, great, in quotes, fighter in UFC history? Ah. <sighs> I'm going to say yes. I think that he cashed a lot of checks with his mouth that, you know, he definitely couldn't live up to. And um, I think it definitely showed in the Khabib fight. Um, that was not a, that wasn't a mental thing. That was just pure skill against somebody who had more skill in that area. And um, I think at this point in Connor's career, uh, he's going to really have to prove himself. If he wants to be named in the top pound-for-pound list. And he is one of the most overrated fighters because he's had his opportunities to fight certain guys that he definitely should have beaten. Um, I won't say that about Khabib. But, um, you know, in the Nate Diaz fight when he lost the first time, you know, you can't make mistakes like that and still call yourself pound for pound. Um, because other pound for pound fighters have lost just because they've been caught or maybe they got they couldn't get out of a submission, but you just quit. So I do think he's one of the most overrated great fighters of this era. And I think that uh, another one definitely, I was going to put him first, but um, I don't think he fits that criteria now. Um, was Alistair Overeem. Um, that dude was one of the most dangerous. But I think Connor has taken that throne as one of the most overrated fighters. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I still think that he has a lot to offer to the sport. Um, if I had to pick an, the most overrated fighter, like great fighter, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to say Ronda Rousey. Oh, absolutely. For the simple fact that this quote will live with me forever. I believe I've said it on this before. If not, I've said it on Matt Madness. But it's easy to call yourself the best when there's nobody else. And I think that, you know, you see now, after Holly Holm demolished her, you know, after Amanda Nunes 
dispatched her in spectacular fashion that she wasn't great. She was just good. In one area. In one area, and that's it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I actually, looking back at what I just said, I would say Ronda Rousey is definitely the most overrated. The reason why I didn't bring her up is just because... You're sexist. No. (laughs) Wow. No, but I I just didn't bring her up because I didn't really see her as an important factor. Yeah. Um, I don't think she was overrated. I just thought that she was oversold because she didn't show a lot of skills in there. It was just the fact that her judo was so dominant. But, like, those knockouts that she had, those were just lucky. And um, it is what it is, but she'll never be that good. And it sucks because a lot of people be like, oh, you got to believe in her, and she still has a long way to go, and she doesn't because it's all mental. That's the biggest theme that has been plaguing MMA. Like, it's a mental game, and she'll never leave Edmund's side. She'll never seek help. She thinks that she's good where she's at as far as her game now, and it's not good. And I know she hasn't given credit to Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes for their victories over her. So, yeah, I just think that she should stay in the WWE for her own health and safety. I need her to leave the WWE. Andre, my question to you this week. Thank you, Ron, by the way, for the question. But my question to you, Andre... This weekend is WrestleMania. This is WrestleMania week. A lot of MMA stuff coming out of WrestleMania. You got Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Dan Severin's going to face Frank Mir there. You have uh, Phil Baroni's going to be there. Minoru Suzuki's facing Josh Barnett there. You have Ronda Rousey fighting. Or, you know, she has her match at WrestleMania, you have Brock having his match at WrestleMania. When it comes to the MMA stars in the WWE or in wrestling, who do you want to see the most? You got guys like Filthy Tom Lawler as well. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, I mean, in the WWE, MMA stars like that, I have to say Brock. Brock's always been exciting. Brock's always been... I don't want to say a draw. He's just always been that superstar. He's kind of that X factor when you want to make a blockbuster type pay-per-view. And whenever he faces the best of the best, he always brings his A-game. And I and I, I think I love that the most about Brock. Because ever since the early 2000s, he's been that guy that you have to face to really show that you're the best in the WWE. I mean, he fought guys like Roman Reigns, John Cena, Triple H, I believe. I mean, The Undertaker, I mean, to give him his first loss. And and that's one guy that when I see in WrestleMania cards, I'm always excited to see those type of um, matches. Yeah, I'm excited to see that because I can't wait for him to leave. <laughs> but I think, for me, the match to watch, if you're talking about MMA, is I can't wait to see Minoru Suzuki versus um, versus Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett's Blood Sports tomorrow, yesterday, when you're listening to this. And Minoru Suzuki, if you don't know, is former Pancrase, you know, shoot style wrestling. And he's 
like disgusting. I have heard of him before, and I heard he was very exciting. Um, it was actually funny because um, I started getting into uh, like Ring of Honor and stuff like that and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it's actually exciting now because there's a lot of great wrestlers, high flyers, those power guys. And I think, honestly, they're doing so much. And, and look, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think that, you know, that circuit is doing so much better than the WWE. Not just with promos, but just with the talent that they have. But there's one guy I'm really excited to see in the WWE that, that I know will eventually become a star. Hopefully you agree with me. If not, that's fine. But when we're talking about MMA stars... Matt Riddle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to see Matt Riddle. I'm so mad at myself because when he said it, I'm so mad at myself because he has a title match this weekend for NXT, for the NXT North American title, and out of all the names, of course, I forget the name, Matt Riddle. He has a title shot? Yeah. He's he's fighting for the title this weekend. I got to catch that. I have to catch that. Friday. Friday night. I might have to uh, subscribe to WWE Network. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive if you sign up with a new email, you know, you get WrestleMania for free. You get it for free for a month. What? So, you know, you watch the weekend that was and immediately just, you know, unsubscribe. But also Dave Batista, you know, former MMA fighter. Bobby Lashley, former MMA fighter. So, I'm saying all this just... To get the downloads, because WrestleMania is the biggest thing. I'm not that excited for this weekend. (laughs) I want to see MMA. Next week, I cannot wait. We're going to break down Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier. We're going to break down Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gaslam. And we're back on the train. But this has been your boy, Elroy. I am Josh Prep Igina. You can follow me at... Elroy Prepson across all forms of social media. Andre Rodriguez, tell them about yourself. Hey guys, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under the name Flow State Dre, all lowercase, all one word. And you can also find me as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez, on Facebook. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Keep dropping those five star reviews, keep dropping comments. If you guys have any questions uh, for listener questions, please drop a DM um, in any one of our platforms. You know, we're more than happy to uh, hear you on what you guys have to say, any comments that you have, and um, let's get it. Yeah, and if you guys, if there's anything that you see that we don't talk about, KSW, M1, anything that you want to hear us talk about, let us know, and we'll make time in the show for it. But this has been your boy Elroy. We'll see you guys next week.